Welcome to refreshing, energizing business talk. This is Think Tank, conversations in a digital world, presented by SAP in collaboration with Microsoft and Intel. Get ready to hear from industry executives and thought leaders on the best strategies and technologies to drive your business forward in times of uncertainty and accelerate success. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Think Tank Radio, conversations in the digital world, presented by SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, producer and host, and if we got a hot topic for you, listen up. Closing the cloud ROI gap through HXM. I think you need to be an insider to get all of those buzzwords in there, so we're going to unpack that. But I want to welcome my panel. We'll get to that in a second. I have two buzz quotes and then an intro on the topic. Let me get started here. Buzz number one is from entrepreneur.com. Listen up. Great, this is a beautiful quote. Great companies are like beautiful clocks. They've got a lot of moving parts that all have to work together in order for the whole to be successful. That was from Donna Peoples, the CEO of Motivated Inc. I thought, panel, just what do you think? Was that a beautiful quote or what? And that's really the core of what we're talking about. Quote number two happens to be from PWC.com. And we happen to have John McCormick at PWC with us. And he'll introduce himself in a moment. Coincidence of coincidences. Listen up. Cloud is rapidly becoming a business imperative. And there's the danger of, quote, a digital divide emerging between organizations that understand the power of cloud and how it affects talent across the organization and those that do not. In addition to developing strategies to attract and retain cloud talent, I've never heard that term before, John, cloud talent, CHROs may also need to develop an upskilling for cloud strategy to help their existing workforce. That's a packed sentence. So let me bring you a little more up to date on what we're talking about. The numbers are indisputable. A PwC survey of 524 U.S. executives and business leaders in May of this year, 2021, found a 92% cloud adoption rate. That's a lot. However, only 53%, little more than half, are seeing significant value from their cloud investments. What is holding executives back from maximizing their cloud ROI investment? Well, when optimizing business processes, it's key to realize the importance of the human factor. You guessed it. That's what we're talking about today in the outcome and success of business transformation. 79% of the CEOs who were surveyed are concerned about the availability of key skills among employees. And while the CIOs are looking at the overall investment in tech and quick implementation of digital transformation, of course they are, 68% of the CFOs, that's finance, are reporting that crisis-driven transitions to remote work will boost long-term efficiency and lead to reduction in costs. The answer to the ROI question we're looking at the CHRO. We're going to find out more from my guests. Connecting technology to your people and your process is instrumental in a truly intelligent enterprise. John McCormick at PwC. Wave hello. Welcome, John. Nick Holmes at SAP. So happy to have you with us. And Mohammed Yusuf. And he said, we're such good friends after meeting twice for 16 minutes. I can call him Mo, so I will. I'm going to ask them for their take on this vital issue of rapid cloud adoption and the role of HXM. I'm just keep throwing out alphabet soup here. Topic again, Closing the Cloud ROI Gap Through HXM. Panelists, welcome. Let's get started with introductions. That was a long monologue they gave me, John McCormick. John, would you please honor us with your bio, a little bit about what you do at PwC. How did you get to this part of your career, and what is your excitement for our topic, your passion? Welcome, John. Sure, Bonnie. Thank you. Again, my name is John McCormick. I'm a partner uh, in our Philadelphia office uh, working for PwC. 
I sit in our digital and cloud platform and our enabling SAP transformation practice. I've been in and around consulting of large business transformations uh, since, now I'm dating myself, Bonnie, but since the early 1990s. Uh, been through, uh, been in a number of big fours where I help clients uh, guide them through business transformations throughout my career. Have a large focus on HCM or HXM. Uh, currently responsible for some of the workforce transformation cloud practices at PwC, including uh, helping with growing our success factors practice, leading up our concur practice, and also our contingent workforce management or field glass practice. Again, yeah, I got to this got to this point in my career uh, by I would say lots of hard work, and I love working with clients and trying to solve their digital problems. So very happy to be with you today, and hopefully we can unpack this together. Well, thank you. I like that a lot, John. We're honored to have you here. Let's go around the table. Nick Holmes at SAP. Nick, talk to us. Who are you? How did you get to the point where you've been invited to talk about this topic? What's your passion? Talk to hey there, Bonnie. Yeah, I, I'm. So I guess you can tell from my accent, I'm based in London. I've been in HR tech for about the last 20 years of my career. I actually started on the HR side. So I was one of those customers who started buying cloud technology back back before it was probably called cloud. Then I worked for a, a, a partner. And then I now I'm, since the last five years, I've been working at SAP as a VP for our strategic alliances team. And like I came here because I've seen the impact, the positive impact that technology can have on people's lives like it really impacts people's work every single day and how they feel about going to work when it's done well so the challenge of coming here and building the ecosystem that kind of takes our technology and makes it makes that promise real for customers is just too much to pass up well thank you very very much i appreciate that and by the way our audience is going to hear maybe they'll see the video but they're going to hear this on voice america business channel is all over the world so when we talk about this topic let's include all the companies the organizations the businesses the enterprise i want everybody to know that this is inspirational right nick and this is educational inspirational and hopefully insightful for every company nick have i got that right you got it Thank you very much. I like it when my guests agree with me. Mo, Yusef, I couldn't wait to say Mo. Welcome. We're so happy to have you as well. Would you kindly introduce yourself? Go ahead. Happy to do so. Thank you for having me. Mohammed Yusuf. I am the global head for uh, HXM Technology and Solution Advisory here at SuccessFactors. Similar to uh, my two other uh, guests here, I started out in HR. And I started out on the on-premise side, implementing uh, as a customer, implementing a an HXM and what was called at the time an HCM. Uh, the name was HCM before for an on-premise. Grew up in that area, spent ten years implementing, uh, went through multiple consultancies, and then I came over to the strategic side uh, when the whole cloud transition started happening after SAP acquired SuccessFactors. And really, what motivates me about the whole cloud topic is how do we make work better by adopting and transforming how we do work, giving people flexibility, different ways of consuming, and essentially making the world better through that. And I've been around that my, um, I would say my entire career, and I can't wait to see what the future holds for cloud transformations and HXM and what that does to how uh, we do business globally and how we interact globally. Thank you very much, Keyword Globally. Appreciate that. Thank you all for the introductions. Now is the really fun part of the show. Well, it was fun getting to know you, but I've asked my guests to send me, and we went back and forth on a lot of this, asked them to send me a fictional character quote from a movie or a TV show 
or from a song lyric. Have to have fun with that part of the show. John McCormick has sent us a quote from, oh, John, I have to thank you because I had to dive into the research on this one, and it's just delicious. Monica Geller, played by Courtney Cox, is talking to Rachel Green, Jennifer Aniston, who has certainly done a lot with her career, in the first episode of Friends that was titled The One Where Monica Gets a Roommate, a.k.a. The One Where It All Began. American TV sitcom aired on NBC from 1994 to 2004, really that long ago, 10 seasons. And here is the quote. I hope I do it justice, John. Welcome to the real world. It sucks. You're going to love it. I'm sorry. I, just, I watched the clip. I wish I could do a better job on the voice there. John, how'd you find this one? And what in the world does it have to do with our topic? Regale us. So I would say I found that I was always a Friends fan back in the 90s. And now that I have three daughters who know almost every episode, uh, they're in their teens and early 20s. Uh, I kind of started using that uh, when they asked about dad, can I borrow some money or no, you have to earn it. Or so, you know, welcome to the real world. It sucks. And, you know, you're going to love it. So how that, I thought that was a funny quote. I'm using it now. My, my daughter is uh, just looking for uh, a job right now coming out of college. And uh, I keep telling her, well, you got to decide what you want to do. So I would say it kind of relates to this topic as well, because, you know, we've been talking about the cloud for years and years now. And now that we're finally getting adoption, People are wondering why they're not getting ROI, but I think you, what you put into it is what you get out of it. So, you know, it, it, it's great. You have it in front of you. It may suck to, at the beginning, but you're going to love it once you get to adopt it. So that's how I brought that quote to light for uh, our topic today. Clever and appreciated. Thank you very much. I love doing the research. Well, thank you. We're partners on this, John. Let's go to Nick. Nick has sent us a quote from Ted Lasso, which has been nominated for 20 primetime Emmys. Nick, this has become the most nominated freshman, meaning brand new comedy in the history of the Emmy Awards. That's how important Nick Lasso is. Those of you not familiar, Jason Sudeikis, who has great years on Saturday Night Live, plays Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso is a feel-good American sports comedy drama stream TV series, that's a mouthful, that debuted in August of last year, and it's already been renewed for a third season, and it is based on a character Jason Sudeikis portrayed in promotions for NBC Sports coverage of the Premier League. Here is the quote. Taking on a challenge is a lot like riding a horse, isn't it? If you're comfortable while you're doing it, probably you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Oh, we've got some good quotes today. Nick, you're up. Talk to us. How'd you pick this up? What does it have to do with our topic? Oh, well, like how I picked it was kind of easy. Although uh, if you guys have watched the show, I could have picked any from a hundred quotes. There's so many good ones because I watched it with my daughter. It kind of, I fell in love with Ted Lasso way back when NBC did their first commercial with him as the coach of Tottenham Hotspur, which is the, the team I support. Um, and like uh, the reason I picked this quote, right? Challenge is uncomfortable. And I think a lot of business leaders right now are kind of feeling uncomfortable in a good way because so much has happened so quickly in the world of work that we're having to adapt to, whether it's hybrid working or new technologies to help people collaborate. And kind of everyone's having to take that on board. And as they take that on board, the cloud is pretty much, it's got to be the way to do it because of the speed that you can adopt stuff and the agility it gives you. So I think it just spoke to me that we're all in this kind of uncomfortable but challenged space and and it's going to be great but it's going to feel a lot like riding a horse on the way and i remember how painful it was when i took horseback riding as a girl scout in another millennium <laughs> Nick, 
and I, I was trying to do it right, but it still hurt. What can I tell you? Thank you very much. I appreciate the way you, you positioned that for our topic. It, it makes a lot of sense. Thank you, Nick. And let's go to Mo. Mo has sent us a quote, a serious quote from Major Archie Gates, played by George Clooney. The movie is Three Kings, spelled out T-H-R-E-E if you're looking for it, 1999 satirical black comedy war film about four American soldiers on a gold heist during the 1991 uprisings in Iraq against Saddam Hussein following the end of the Gulf War. And the character, Major Gates, is a career U.S. Army Special Forces officer nearing the time of retirement, and he's disillusioned with the war. And here is what he says. The way it works is you do the thing you're scared of, and you get the courage after you do it, not before you do it. Wow. Mo, I skipped the word I can't say on this show, but everybody gets it. It starts with S. It's blank, blank. It has a T and L-E-S-S at the end. And that's as far as I'm going to go. Mo, it's up to you. Tell us what this has to do with our topic. Uh, Thank you so much. That was gracefully done. Um, This is a quote that I've identified with as much early on in my life. And what I find the most interesting about it is I try to use it with my global team. And as you can imagine, there's lots of different uh, cultures that are represented on my team uh, globally. They're all over the place. And for me, the thing that resonates with me about this in life and also anything to do with transformation, specifically with the cloud transformation is, hey, the bar is not for you to do the best right off the get-go. And yes, there are fears, there are things that you don't know, and there's risks associated with doing any major transformations or taking personal risks in life or solving complex problems as the team and I usually focus on as we deal with uh, different types of customers in different regions. But the idea is you don't have to have all the courage to start the transformation. Get it started, learn, maybe fail, maybe don't, maybe succeed, but your courage builds as you go in and the more at-bats that you have at anything, sports uh, or anything else, uh, it gives you the courage to to really grow within it and get better on a day-by-day basis. So for me, the cloud transformation and the correlation for this quote is get it started, get, get your courage as you're doing it and just focus on getting better and achieving it uh, um, uh, better and better every day because there is no getting perfect at the beginning. Thank you. Thank you, Mo. Thank you, Nick. And thank you, John. Interesting how the quotes, if we put them all together, they're, they're all coming at the same topic from a different direction, all about challenging, right? All about doing things that may not be so comfortable, may not be easy. And, and Mo, to your point, I think there might be a little bit of a reference to NLP in there if you're programming your brain to find new pathways, right? You got to do something and get those pathways started. And then when you go, then when you go into that the next time, it might be a little easier, a little more familiar. Thank you very much, all of you. I appreciate that. Now we're going to take a deep dive into our topic. John McCormick, I've pulled up statement number one from you. You sent me before the show. I'm going to read it. It's nice and concise, which I appreciate. I'm going to ask you to unpack it. Take about three minutes, John. And then we're going to put Nick on the spot. Nick, I'm going to ask you to agree or Nick looks scared already. I, he looks scared. <laughs> I, I, I'm on Zoom. I can see them. I'm going to ask you to agree or disagree. And John made me a promise before the show that he said it's okay if you disagree with him, Nick. So I'm just giving you that leeway. And then Mo, I'm going to ask you to join us and agree or disagree with John and or Nick. So you've got twice, twice the options here to agree or disagree. So let's get started. John, here is statement number one. 
there is tremendous untapped potential with, quote, an average value realization gap of 53% between companies seeking specific business outcomes and those realizing substantial value from their investments, unquote. And John says, considering that gap, only 52% of business leaders say they are confident they can measure cloud ROI. John, unpack, please. Sure, that's a lot to unpack. But that, that came, uh, as you mentioned, Bonnie, uh, earlier in the show from our PwC US Cloud Business Survey. And that was one of our, you know, key findings. And though even though 90, I think you said 90 some percent of folks uh, in, uh, we interviewed or surveyed have implemented the cloud, but they're really having a problem finding out how they can uh, get this ROI back. And that was a combination of some answers they gave us from improving decision-making through better data and analytics. Uh, only you know, 34% thought they were getting that. In- innovative products and services, create better customer experiences, increase profits. So, you know, I guess when you look at the cloud ROI, there's so many things that uh, so many different things that our executives are trying to get out or thinking to get out of it. So I think it's a combination of are, are you measuring everything and are there so many different um, key things you're looking for that you don't know if you're hitting them? Uh, so, I mean, are you looking to reduce costs? Are you ensuring business continuity? All of those things are unpacked. So when we got to like a, a conglomerate of those responses, we, that's why we only got like to a 53% we're not thinking they were realizing their in- outcomes. So I think one of the things we have to say is what can we be done to increase the value realization of their cloud investment? Are we missing the metrics, as I mentioned, to capture the value add? Do some of these uh, executives not aware of all the things we're doing uh, in the other areas? Uh, I know there could be different different thoughts of what the CFO is expecting, what the CHR is expecting. Um, so what I think is organizations should try to create a value story or proposition specific to their cloud strategy, different from their overall business strategy, because that, you know, that's not always, they're not always too, the, the same. There are some differences between your cloud strategy and your business strategy. And what are the value propositions to help accrue, uh, help increase the adoption rate and create alignment? Uh, so things like you need to talk about is what is good for your customer and employees? What are you trying to get out of your cloud strategy? As you mentioned, are we trying to close the talent gap? Do we need to upskill or hire cloud skilled workers to to reach some, some of this more uh, value RI? And that would be through through the, our CHROs uh, take, talk, talking about that, looking at their HXM products, seeing how they can use those products to upskill through learning or you know attract talent through hiring. So that's that's one of the that's how I see some of that unpacking. I'll leave it for my panelists to uh, comment at this point. Let's go around the table. Nick Holmes, you're up. What do you think? Unmute. There you go. Yeah. Nick. So I'm gonna I'm gonna agree. I think that there is a huge amount of there's a huge gap between what people want and what people get. But I think part of that is because people embark on projects and they kind of get locked in this idea it's an IT project and can easily forget that. Every project you do, every transformation you do involves people, right? And as soon as you involve people, there's this huge opportunity, this huge potential, but it gets kind of complicated because you've got to get them to change behaviors. Um, And, you know, the best way to understand how to get people motivated and change behaviors is kind of ask them what they want and then make sure you keep asking them if you're delivering what you want. And I think I, I still see just so many projects where they start out with great intentions but then forget to keep asking the people their opinion and course correct. So like my takeaway on this is like every, 
big project is involves people and you just got to listen to your people at the beginning throughout at the end and that'll help you get get the value Thank you very much. Listening to people is an interesting concept because in the past year and a half, Nick and everybody, we didn't know what we were thinking or feeling or saying because we were all thrown into this massive every second disruption, not knowing where we were going, where it was going. And I I, I don't think anybody expected from month to month, am I right, quarter to quarter or from throughout the rest of 2020 after the pandemic started into this year. What it is we wanted, what we were, th- it was almost, well, what do you think right now? Well, that might be different in a week. Nick, any comments on that before we get mowing? It's, it's a moving target is what I'm trying to say, listening to your people. And it's a good thing to listen. Nick, am I wrong? Yeah, I was right? gonna, yeah that's an interesting When I was doing the research for this, I, I also found a quote that we that PW, kept from a PwC study with Qualtrics, which went and asked 200 CIOs about what, what were they going to invest on or what had they invested in since the pandemic started? And 95% of them had invested more in employee listening. So like those CIOs were already realizing we've got to be listening to our people now to understand what they want, just in like the everyday tools you need when you're working at home. And I think that trend is just going to continue. And the key to me is what you just said, listening to our people now. Because now was all we had because we didn't know next week, next month, next year. Thank you very much. Mo, let's get you in on here. I'm sorry to preempt your, your joining the agree or disagree part of the show, but I wanted to come in on Nick. Mo, what do you think? What do you see? What do you hey, think? I think? I think you gave my softball to uh, Nick right there. I was going to pick up on that one. But I think one of the key things that I really wanted to agree with, with John and Nick is this. Um, you might start out thinking something or have an organizational objective that you want to achieve from the get-go. And if you do not stop and reassess and reconsult and include all the stakeholders, and the key stakeholder today is your, are your people. It is the human because work is being done through that person. And today they have more choice than ever and have more awareness of themselves. And they have to see themselves in all of these organizational objectives, these process changes. And unless they can identify with that and see themselves in it, adoption is not going to be uh, where we want it to be. So I really wanted to agree with both in the sense that uh, people are, you know, their needs are first of all higher because they, from a technology perspective, it is higher because they want to consume a system that can adapt to them, a system that they can, uh, you know, consume how they consume technology everywhere else. But the key point, and I think one of you kind of lopped that one out there, is keeping in touch with your people as they change and their needs change and what they expect from the organizations change and how they identify themselves with the organization is very key to what we build and deliver. Uh, so I'm also going to agree on this one. Thank you very much. John, great conversation started. Anything you want to say back to any of us? I'll include myself in that. John? <laughs> No, I, I was interested when you said, Nick, the only thing I said is we interviewed CIOs and it's it's great if they're all saying that they need to listen because typically they have to be whispered sometimes by the CHRO. So I would imagine that's a very high value of, of both, but it's, it's a very good uh, stat because you're in this talent, in this great talent divide that we're seeing with uh, everybody being short on staff and wherever you go, basically, I think it's definitely something that everybody has to take into account. Absolutely. Thank you very much. I have a question for all of you, Nick, before I get to your statement. Back in the day, oh, forgive me for that. Wasn't it called HR, human resources? And then wasn't it called something like human asset development? And then was it HXM? And did we get to CHRO? Has 
has the term, and, and it's funny to me because I've been asking my guests on some of my other shows the past couple of weeks, the word infrastructure, it's four syllables. People stumble over it. They're not sure what it means. So I said to somebody, can we come up with a short word for that? And they said, let's call it stuff. Let's call it stuff. Okay. So, so my question is, can anybody historically tell me why HR has changed its it's alphabet soup so many times. I, and I'm not saying this to be funny. I'm just curious because we are talking about human resources, aren't we? John, do you have a perspective on that? Well, sure. I mean, as as the uh, as we evolve, the you know human experience is key. Is what we're talking about. Uh, people want to be want to feel like they're what they do at work is what they do on their phone. You know, they can, they can make it easy. They can, they can feel like they are, um, you know, they are intuitive to what they're doing. So we want to make it easy for the employee because most, you know, you're, you're nothing without your people and to provide a human capital, a human experience management for folks is where we are now. It's, you know, I uh, like Mohammed, I'm, I'm probably dating myself, but I, I, in, I, uh, was one of the first uh, consultants that implemented U.S. benefits uh, from SAP in the early 90s. And that was, you know, the interface was, do you want to pick medical, dental? Now you have a very uh, beautiful interface and you, and there's, you have, you, people want to know exactly what they're picking. So there's all these interfaces to what you can see on the benefits and what you want to pick. So it's, it's really about pleasing the people. And that's why we've changed the thinking there. Thank you. I appreciate that. Nick, if you want to say something about that, otherwise I'm going to go to your statement number. Yeah, no, no, no. I do. It's kind of interesting because, like, way back when, when I remember it, like, it used to be called personnel, right? And it was people who did the payroll. And then it became human resources, which is like, let's think about our people in a a broader way. And then I think it must have been, like, the late 90s, early noughties when people started to count human capital management. But it began to look at people as, like, units of productivity. It was a very Mm -hmm. financial way of looking at it. And that worked for a bit because everyone was trying to justify, you know, the cost of payroll and understand the units of performance you got from a human. But, you know, as the, as, as the world's developed, we've begun to realize that pe- people aren't the same as factory units, right? And people care about the experience they have and the impact they make on their customers. So that's what the, I don't know, that's my take on the transition from HCM to HXM. It's that focus on delivering experience to people so they can have a great experience on deliver great experience to their customers. All I got to jump news. on this one, Bonnie. I think, Mo, go, go. I, I think this change did not happen in a vacuum, right? This is a result of societal change and the shift that happened between employer and employee and where we are today, right? The power is definitely with the employee. So for I, that's the one thing I wanted to add, but I do agree with what uh, was said. But I, people are driving this change uh, and making work change to suit them. And organizations and technology have to provide uh, the expected results for them. Perfectly said. Thank you all for indulging my question. I was just curious. Oh, do I have stories for you? I'll tell you after the show. You won't believe the stories I have with HR. Anyway, no, I never ran HR. Statement number three from Nick Holmes says, and this is interesting. This is provocative, Nick. He says, too often people and HR sit outside the tent when decisions are made that impact work cultures, work tools, and the processes we all use every day. And then <gasps> IT executives are surprised if adoption is low. Oh, my. Nick, give us a reality check here, and then we'll see what Mo and John have to say. Go ahead. Yeah, I think this is like a historical thing, which is, you know, IT directors often like have always wanted or CIOs to control 
all the bits of IT that are used within an organization. And sometimes that means they want to get take a, like a leadership role in making decisions about the technology that people use at work or the technology that gets employed to run critical HR processes. And I, and I think we'd all, all of us, well, I, like I'm going to say it, it always works best when you've got the people who understand technology, the IT people and the HR people and also the other stakeholders, right? Your people, your people who work there. That's the three people groups who need to be involved. But too often when I see IT take the lead, you get some some kind of funny results. And maybe I can share an anecdote about like one of that. One of the things I care about most because of my background, I started as a recruiter, is candidate experience. Like I think the experience you deliver to people who apply for a job with you is such a window into the like the culture and the the reality of your organization. And I saw so many projects or so many so many procurement exercises where the CIO would get involved and then mandate that a certain bit of technology would be, be, be purchased to run recruiting. And you're like, you end up with like a terrible candidate experience that didn't even support the languages that you were trying to hire in. You're like, you're asking German candidates what their US veteran status is. And you'd be like, How? this is terrible. Like, what does that say about your organization? And that's just like the personal, personal I still see sometimes today of, IT driving a decision that without full understanding of what the business needs. Thank you, Nick. Very interesting. Another provocative conversation starter. I was counting on you for that. Mo, right now, virtually, you are sitting right next to Mr. Nick Holmes. So it's up to you to start this. Agree or disagree? Be daring, Mo. Go ahead. <laughs> no, unfortunately, or fortunately, I do agree. And I think uh, the results speak for themselves. I think when we have uh, imagine that you're trying to produce a consumer product and you don't know your consumer, right? I think this is uh, equivalent to that. When we are trying to serve people and people are not at the center of that process, I think we we have a mismatch of what we're thinking we're delivering and what we actually deliver. And with uh, the expectation today, one of the great things about where we are today and the, the topic that we're discussing is uh, maybe that was the case before where technology had limitations, but today in the cloud with the advancements that we have across technology, there is no technical uh, limitation. All we have to do is consult and imagine and dream big and say, hey, what is it that we wanna deliver and what sort of experience do we wanna give and how do we actually wanna manage our brand? Because what Nick is saying is the brand of that organization, what goes out there first and that's their first interaction to that brand and people make decisions on that. So the point is, I think as technology shifted and the cloud has provided limitless capability for us to dream and imagine processes. I think not having the representation of people at the table is an, an incredible mistake or lost opportunity for us to really, really deliver an experience that enhances the business objectives that we're trying to go after. In particular to what John was talking about earlier, the fact that there is you know, a talent gap, that we're trying to really recruit uh, a very specific talent to the organization at all levels, right? So we cannot have a jarring experience as their first interaction with the organization, just to kind of build on that specific example that you put out, Nick. But I think it goes across the whole technology. And if we shift our mind and say, hey, I can do anything, let's just dream together and invite everybody to the table, uh, specifically the key stakeholders in this case, I think we can deliver what we're after. Let's invite everybody to the table and dream together. I like that, Mo. That could be a new mantra. for. What about for a recruiting mantra, right, John? You recruit people and say, we're all going to go to the table, even if it's virtual, and we're going to dream together and make this company, our company, our world 
better. Wow, I like that. Mo, thank you. Very poetic. I don't know if you intended it that way, but it was. John John McCormick, join us. Agree or disagree? I want to see where you land on this one. Go ahead. Sure. Uh, I agree. I hope it's getting better. But, you know, throughout my career, it's pretty much been the same where – uh, sometimes if the if the procurement process is being run through IT, uh, you get to a point where you're working with your client, you come in here and the, and you talk, you're talking to the HR organization or, 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 or the town organization and you're just finding out that, oh, we were just told we were doing this project. So they, nobody's asked us for our requirements. That's definitely something that uh, I see uh, now that the CHRO is having more, more, um, more elbow room at the executive table. I think it's happening less, but I still think that is a prevalent, prevalent problem. And when uh, when the PwC goes into a business transformation or a technical transformation, we want to make sure that all those things are coming together, as Mohammed said, so everybody's at the table, because otherwise no IT uh, implementation is complete or actually successful without the the change communications and training and uh, aspect that come in to get your people up to speed. So completely agree with uh, what Nick and Mo have said that it's definitely something that has been prevalent and hopefully it's getting better. I do see it getting better. And we'll, we, we, as, as business integrators, we'll make sure that we tell our clients as our, as our trust, as their trusted advisor, how they should actually melt, melt the two. Thank you very much. Nick, this was your topic. What do you think? Good discussion? Great discussion. Anything you want to say back to them? No, I, I think John kind of nailed it, actually. And, and like I love most thing about dreaming big, right? And I think that's right. The, the cloud does allow us to, to be so flexible and build some really cool tools these days. But we've got to dream big. And the only time we see that or the, the way to make that happen best is when you get really understand what people want, but then you get the, the IT organization and HR organization, the business all working together. That's when those dreams become reality. Thank you very much. Let's go to a statement from Mo. Mo, you've been waiting patiently to start a conversation around here. I know you have. And here we go. Let's go with statement number two. This is very interesting. You say one key aspect of cloud transformation that does not get enough attention is the opportunity for organizations to future-proof their investment by thinking beyond the current organizational needs. Let's talk about future-proofing. Mo, you're up. Oh, great. Thank you. I've been waiting to leave here for, for a minute, so thanks. happy to support. So I just want to build up on what John was saying. So I also am in a role where we I lead a you know subject matter experts that really are focused and committed to helping our customers get the most out of their transformations right and one of the key things that we see is as soon as we start a cloud discussion uh, we try to limit or box ourselves into hey what what do we want to do now or how have we done things before and how can we replicate that over but i think what future proofing in my mind means hey now that you have this technology Think of it as a, something that can adapt to your needs as you grow and as you change. And yes, build the foundations of what we need today, but think about it. So for example, I'll just give you guys an example. It's not untypical back in the on-premise days that you start a project and by the time you finished, there was a new business requirement that wasn't included in the initial project. And then you have to go back and do it. Uh, but with the cloud, there is a extensibility or adaptability to the system that if we plan and say, 
we need to grow into this. And let's just talk about beyond our today and let's talk about the future. And as we all know here, the future used to be 10 or five or 20 years now, future now for us is six years, 12 months, 18 months, how do we react? So the idea of our future proofing just in a nutshell is as we are looking at the current requirements of the business or the current needs of the business is to really expand our our customer, our the companies or our customers' thinkings about we are growing into something. Now this platform allows us to do it. Let's think of this as the foundational start point and grow into this as we go ahead. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Do you remember any of you the days when companies and even countries would say we have a five-year plan, we have a 10-year plan, we have a three-year plan, and now since tw- since March or April of 2020, it's we've got a 20-minute plan, we've got a nine-and-a-half-day plan. Oh, we used to make whiskey, now we're in the hand sanitizer business. business. Oh, we used to supply restaurants, now we're sending 18-pound bag bags of potatoes to supermarkets, right? Pivot, be nimble, be agile. Future-proofing, it really went out the window at that moment in time. So lessons to be learned. Thank you, Mohammed. Mo, let's go around the table. John, you're sitting next to Mo on this round. What do you think? Agree or disagree? Oh, I completely agree with what Mo said. Um, and to your point on the five-year plan, I was on a vendor selection call with a client yesterday, and they said, well, we want to implement by 2025. I said, what do you mean you want to implement by 2025? I, I think you can do. I think you can do the base implementation in 12 months. So, oh well, if you can, if you can come up with some ideas around that, that'd be great. So it still exists there, uh, but we're definitely working on that. Well, um, what I what I what I would also say to Mo is that yes, there's a, there's so much pent up energy when you start a new program for for uh, a business is they they constantly want to include everything up front. And to Mo's point, now that with the cloud and the, the implementation timeframes and, and the things that you want to, that you can accomplish, it's not the fact that you, if you don't get it now, you're not going to get it in three years. You might get it after this uh, on the, on the second edition in six months. So we are constantly working with our clients to, to, you know, tell them that, that we want to get the foundation down. There's still the foundation, even though it's in the cloud that you want to get your, your core business processes up, take a look at how things are running, take a look at your analytics, see how those are coming through, and then you can tweak as you go. So, uh, implementing a cloud solution or cloud solutions uh, as your main strategy definitely can get you to that. So I would agree. Thank you very much. Nick Holmes, what thinkest, what sayest, what thoughtest you? Yeah, I'm going to expand on that a little bit. I kind of, I, I, you know, I generally agree, but I think that the challenge for a lot of customers is it's really forcing them to think, having to think differently. I think John and Mo both highlighted, right, in the back in the day, People would like plan a project for two years and then implement it for five. And, you know, a lot of those people who thought like that are still in, still working and they're still running IT projects. But the cloud gives you the potential to work completely differently, right? You could be deciding on a project for three months, like implementing it for three to six. But then you need to be thinking like, what do we do the next three months, the next three months? Because you can just, you can be finding the next pocket of value by, evolving what you do based on the intelligence you get, the feedback you get. It's kind of like, imagine it's like before you'd run something for so long and then you'd move on to the next thing of your career. I think those days are just gone, right? It's like constant agility is the theme these days. And that's, it kind of goes back to what you said, Bonnie. We've got to be constantly agile because we don't know what's coming next. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
could be in the next two minutes. Mo, it's your. This was your topic. Talk back. What do you think? Well, I'm glad they both agreed with me. Uh, one, one, I, one additional item there is just think about the rate of innovation in the cloud compared to the old days, right? Uh, there's a new innovation every three months. So if you're in a project for 12 to 18 months, or however that's long, how? just think about the amount of innovation that has been released even for that solution that you're implementing over that time, right? So I completely um, um, agree with both here that, you know, the starting point being the foundation and then building on it and revisiting is, is, is the key uh, way to go forward with the cloud. Thank you very much. I think we've covered, gentlemen, all the high points of the notes you sent me. We've been talking about the human factor, about the need for speed and transformation, innovating faster in the cloud, the need for the IT people to say, wait a minute, there's people involved here. Let's get them at the table too. The need to understand the attracting the right people, upskill. Anybody want to talk briefly about upskilling for a cloud talent? I think that was something one of you mentioned in the beginning. Um, and I said I'd never heard that term, cloud talent. That was in my monologue. Anybody have any? John, you want to tell us about cloud talent? What what specifically is that? What What are the key attributes in a person you would hire that they would need for that? Well, it's interesting you asked that, Devani. I think, you know, from a cloud talent perspective, I mean, I'll give you an example. Uh, our our company, you know, most of us are familiar with Microsoft Outlet for your mail system. Our company now uses Google. And when I when I joined, it's like, oh, that's interesting. Like, well, yeah, we want we want the millennials to feel comfortable coming from college and and, and using Google and Google Sheets. And so we're all get we're all getting in, involved in that. And we have an, you know we we ourselves as a you know we're a cloud digital corporate. We we have upscaling. We we have key um, cloud and digital classes you need to take, you know, at all levels, at the partner level, at the staff level. So definitely, I would say from a from an upscaling perspective, it is infusing new, I would, I, dare I say junior talent, but <laughs> junior talent into the, um, into the organization. And then they can sit alongside with some of those folks that Nick was talking about that have done this for years and, and try to get them the new ways of thinking, new ways of agile sprints, making sure that, you know, you're, you're hearing the business requirements, get them in. So there's, I would say there's an upscaling within the organization where you have to have those, that, that cloud learning and training along with infusion of new talent that uh, uh, with, with the talent base out there, the gig workers that, you know, that they can go and do projects in three months and then go away, uh, getting them on your project uh, for certain things. And they've all been skilled in these new cloud technologies and just infusing some of that is what I would say that is. And that's one, one method may be to infuse with, with some of the younger talent, I, I, I probably shouldn't say younger, but <laughs> where the junior talent out on, on the um, area and then getting those paired with some of the uh, uh, more skilled, more uh, seasoned folks in your organization. Well, you keep saying junior talent or junior personnel, and I'm thinking, what if a, a boomer who is not ready to go pasteurize into the pasture mm-hmm. to retire, whatever the heck that means, I, I wouldn't know. What no, if they well, say, they, I want to come back, and you would, uh, they, they could be part of that junior talent? They could talent. be upscaled, yes. You certainly, <laughs> certainly through the, you know, and, and the learning management systems we have today <laughs> that our cloud solutions can, can be used and rolled out to do that uh, along with um, infusing the new talent. Because Thank there's you. no, there's no, um, there's the talent gap is there regardless. You definitely need workers to be retrained, and 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 uh, that's definitely something that we should be looking at as well. 
Thank you. Any quick comments on that from Nick or Mo? Mo, you look like you want to bounce. I, Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just wanted to add on on that knowledge from John. I think it's one thing to, to uh, attract talent, but it's a whole different ballgame to retain them. And one of the key ways to retain people is having technology that is suitable to the way that they work. And, you know, the talent that John is referring to will leave organizations based on experience. They will leave organizations based on um not being able to identify uh, with, you know, what that organization represents or the brand of that organization, but definitely technology is a key way of making sure that people have a voice and an experience within the organization that keeps them retained within the organization. Thank you. It used to be bring your own device to work. And then it was don't bring the proprietary information from the company home on your own device, right? And then it was how do we secure everybody who's working from home in the pandemic? And how do we make sure the kids and the spouse or their grandparents or the aunts or uncles or anybody in that in that bubble, in that pod gets access? It, it's gone through a lot of iterations. Nick, I'm going to let you have the last word on this one. Any comments? Yeah, I'd... I'd- I think upskilling is so important and I think it goes across all the different generations who are at work. I mean, the world's changing so quickly that as organizations and as leaders, we've got to be putting more effort than ever before into helping people learn not just the skills they need now, but the skills they're going to need for what's coming as the world continues to transform. And that's just becoming ever more important. I guess you've seen so much talk in the last couple of months about the great resignation and was it 41% of workers in the Microsoft survey, considering quitting or changing professions. I mean, upskilling and giving people a view of their future with you, that's going to be, as Mo said, one of the key retention tactics that all businesses are going to need to employ. Thank you very much. I have so much enjoyed speaking with the three of you. Really, really appreciate all of the the insights. Thank you for sharing the wonderful quotes. I'm going to go back to my opening quote just to close this. And I think I'll give you each a 30-second prediction. If we met one year from today, would we still be, oh, John says, hmm, when's that? Yes, that's the week before Thanksgiving 2022. Uh, would we? That's when we're recording this, just for, for a reality check here. Would we still be talking about closing the cloud ROI gap through HXM? But the quote I want to reiterate is the one I got from Donna Peoples on entrepreneur.com. Great companies are like beautiful clocks. They've got a lot of moving parts that all have to work together in order for the whole to be successful. And we've been talking about the HXM part, the people part. So predict, will we still be having the same conversation about realizing your ROI on cloud through HXM and CHRO one year from today? Yes or no? And one sentence prediction, John McCormick, you're up first. Go. Hmm. I would say we will be. I think we might be in a better place. I mean, if we this is this is our first survey uh, when we uh, did this, and we'll be doing this again next year. I imagine the gap will close, but the but because the the, the cloud and and the talent pools are ever changing, I'm sure there'll be new challenges next year. So I would say we'll still be having this conversation. Thank you, Nick Holmes. Yes or no? And one one long sentence. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will. But it's, I, I think the conversation will just keep shifting because the world's just getting more and more exciting as new technologies are, are made available to help us out in the world of work. So I think, yes, the challenge will still be adoption, but this adoption is just going to gather pace. Thank you. Mo Yusuf, last, last, last well, word. Go. I'm going to keep uh, with the yes. I say yes, but I think we will see a greater shift of the power to the human or the employee. And I think we'll be getting better about including uh, the people representation into transformations. 
Thank you very much. I have a couple of shout outs to do to our engineer, Ryan Treasure at Voice America. Thank you, Ryan, for getting us on the recording, which will air, I understand, right after Thanksgiving, U.S. time. Uh, thank you to Mickey Hadicki at, yes, Hot Fusion. Thank you so much, Mickey, for working behind the scenes, Lisa Chalmers and Kim Leslie at SAP and Jamee Baby, Baby at PwC, thank you all for facilitating. John McCormick at PwC, it has been a great pleasure speaking with you and an honor. Thank you for sharing your expertise, your insights, and your passions. Ditto, ditto to Nick Holmes at SAP. Ditto, ditto, ditto to Mo Youssef at SAP. I want everybody to wave goodbye. We're going to say happy holidays together on the count of three. One, two, three. Happy Happy holidays. 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 (laughs) From Think Tank, Conversations in the Digital World. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning into Think Tank, Conversations in a Digital World, presented by SAP in collaboration with Microsoft and Intel. Keep the conversation going by tweeting your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAP Radio. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel next time.